Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeat the Brooklyn Nets. So that's two in a row. Mind you, the Nets are missing some players, as are the Raptors. Fred Van Vliet is out, as is OG and Anobi. That's of note, of course. But the Nets also missing Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, and yet to play for them, Ben Simmons. 109-108. to now, it is a one-point win. It didn't come down to just that at the end, though. The Nets hit a shot as time expired. They were down four. There's virtually no hope of them getting back, unless a Raptor decided to jump out at the shooter, foul them, and send us into some sort of damnation, I suppose. But they go. The Raptors winning a game wherein Pascal Siakam fouled out on a pretty tough call. Gary Trent Jr. leads them in scoring. Malachi Flynn gives you 15, 6, and 8? In another start, he plays 42 minutes. Good for the young man. There you go, man. You're, you're doing your thing. Thaddeus Young still has yet to miss a three off of a Malachi Flynn pass. He's now three of three on the season. Scotty with 18, 10, and four. A huge block at the end in what was otherwise you know, a pretty bad defensive game. But we'll ignore it because he was so good offensively linking together plays, searching for his own offense, pushing the Raptors to kind of push pace or maybe be a bit more proactive in the half court. And Kem Birch, he slid in for a couple nice finishes. This was his best game. I still think I still think Precious Achua is the guy I'd want starting, but this was a game where Kem finally, I think, outplayed Precious. And they come together, 109-108, to win this damn thing. Man, it's uh, it's nice to steal one that looked like they may not have gotten it. And so what is the the number one story of this game? Goran Dragic. So I'll lay out the timeline as I understand it. And, and, w- and then we'll get to, you know, the fallout of <laughs> every time he touched the ball, a lot of booze coming his way. So as I understand it, the Raptors trade Kyle Lowry to the Heat. Goran Dragic is a casualty of this trade because as we saw in, you know, the recent months, this guy loves Miami more than like anything in the world. He just wanted to be there. Anyway, he gets traded. He gets packaged up with Precious for Kyle Lowry. The Raptors tell Goran, hey, we're doing a youth movement here. We don't really want you. We're going to try and offload you to Dallas or something, a place you want to. A trade that was reported upon between the Raptors and Dallas falls through. 
Goran Dragic then says, I don't want to be <laughs> on the Raptors. The Raptors have just told me they don't even want me. And so he says, and this is the quote that I think most fans take, you know, heed with, they have a problem with is, he says he had higher ambitions. He doesn't want to play for a team like the Raptors. He wants to play for a uh, a contender, right? Then both teams, because they can't facilitate a trade, they come together. They have to make nice. By all counts, the Raptors players, the young guys, felt like he was, you know, a proper mentor. The, the players, everybody was happy when they were linking up, you know, back at Scotiabank Arena tonight. The coaches seemed to like him. And by the way, outside of him, I would say being objectively in his time in the league, dirtier than most players. He's made a lot of borderline plays where you're like, oh, should you swing an elbow like that? Should you do whatever? His teammates across a bunch of different teams have said that he's a swell guy. Anyway, then he's the, he gets the Raptors and they said today that he asked like, what's my role? And Nick Nurse and Co. said, we want to play the young guys. We don't really have a spot for you. Then he sits for a really long time. Then he gets traded to San Antonio. They buy him out. Now he's in Brooklyn. And the higher ambitions thing has obviously resonated with the Raptors fan base. Hence, a lot of booing. Now, is this the usual track that players take to get booed? Absolutely not. Did the Raptors, you know, view Goran Dragic as poorly as he may have viewed their contender status? Honestly, yes. Like... <laughs> That was always the part that intrigued me was that the Raptors said they didn't want Goran Dragic. And then Raptors fans all, you know, I'm on Twitter. I follow Raptors fans and, the, you know, voices that are popular get retweeted and they kind of show up in your timeline. Raptors fans didn't want him either. And so two sides that just didn't want anything to do with each other. And now you come together and the people who know him as a person say, hell yeah. But fans, I mean, why would you, you don't know him as a person. He hasn't done anything for you lately. So they're booing. So, yeah. And it was the first night back in Scotiabank Arena. The Raptors booed the hell out of him. And we even got, I'll have a piece on it, but just kind of embracing the villain role, right? He, he put the finger up to the crowd, like, shh, after he hit a mid-range jumper, a step back on Siakam. And that's pretty fun. Like, that's the whole thing, right? Is how, how fun is it to embrace the role of villain if you're willing to embrace it? Whether it's actors... Or or people in sports or whatever. I don't know how you know. I don't know how fun it is in real life to be villainous and embrace it. You know who knows really. But uh, maybe somebody listening does. A lot of people listen. Maybe there's a villain among us. <laughs> but okay, yes. Zone defense. The Raptors had to figure it out as they have been trying to do against any team that sees them without one of OG Fred or Gary. Now in this game, the Raptors happen to play without both of OG and Fred. So their shooting, uh, it takes a bit of a dive. Last night, they were 18 of 38, I believe. 38, I should enunciate better. Tonight, they were 7 of 23. They were not eager to stroke it from behind the three-point line. And so the zone defense that the Nets kind of put up there, it worked pretty well. And the Raptors had to try and figure out how in the hell are we going to get the ball to spots on the floor where it matters, where we can make them pay. And the crazy part, too, is that Scotty was really great in this game. I really, really liked his offensive output. Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam both grinded in this game. It wasn't easy. The shooting touch wasn't there. Gary shot 35%. Pascal shot 37%. It was not working. 
But Gary Grimes gets the line for nine free throw attempts. Pascal gets the line for four, probably should add more, but they're plus 20 and plus 15, which by the way is by far the most. And the reason for that is that Nick Nurse at the end of the third quarter sat all of Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., and Pascal Siakam. The corresponding 11-0 run, the 14, and it became a 14-4 run to end the third quarter, put them in a bit of a hole, man. You know, they were they were down 89-81 after being up. And you're kind of like, well, damn, you know, the Raptors have only won five games after, you know, trailing going into the fourth quarter this whole season. They've got, what, 33 wins? That's a very small percentage. So what are we going to do here? And as it turns out, play very, very good defense, even though Pascal Siakam has five fouls. And really, you know, Malachi Flynn, his defense at the point of attack Pretty damn good. I really, really liked it once again. So good for him to plug in like that. But I think there's there's a couple things that steal the show at the end of the game. So there's, I would say, four things. Scotty Barnes in general, the big block at the end, that was great. The fader off of one foot with a dead dribble that he made, that was great. And overall, the connective passing that he was making. He had four assists, but I thought that I don't think that reflects the overall impact of his playmaking. Pascal Siakam with like a really, really strong 10-minute stretch of defense where he's stonewalling the guards, he's being a significant rim deterrent, and he's helping clean the defensive glass. All of that stuff is super important. He's giving you the, the best of big man defense, and he's giving you defense where a guy can step out and guard guards or wings. He was tremendous, and he did it with five fouls for the most part. It was awesome. He did end up getting fouled out on what... Most people would say it was a pretty weak foul, but dems the brakes. Seth Curry initiates contact with his arm, keeps it locked in there. It exaggerates contact and makes it look worse. Pascal heads to the bench with 18, 8, and 6. And it, on a night where the touch really wasn't there for him, and you know we still have to see that come around post-All-Star break. The other thing, Gary Trent Jr., in clutch time, so within five points, last five minutes of a game, He got three paint touches off of his own dribble. Now, as we all know, Gary Trent Jr. is not somebody who gets into the paint or gets to the rim very much at all. He didn't score on every one of these, but the fact that he was able to transport himself to those positions and get four points in a game where offense was hard to come by, pretty damn impressive. And then Malachi Flynn, just the overall play, making great reads hitting guys when they're open, getting into the teeth of the defense, kind of dictating that, all right, the Nets defense has to move. It's not easy to run pick and roll against his own defense, but if they get the Nets defense shifted enough and they swing it to the, the you know, go into second side action, you can set a little screen. You can get Malachi into the paint and let him decide from there. The eight, eight assists to one turnover, he was super, super sharp. And he hit just this big FU3 to bust the zone. And that's... Like, that's one of the bigger things about Malachi in this game is that, you know, while over his career he hasn't been functionally a better shooter than a guy like Pascal Siakam or, you know, or even Scotty Barnes, they're they're in a similar percentage as far as, like, catch and shoot and stuff like that. Malachi, when he puts it together, has a more dynamic pull-up game than anyone on the Raptors roster currently healthy than Gary Trent Jr., This means that when he puts the ball on the floor, the middle, you know, floater range, whatever, 
he has access to more plays and he can he can make the Brooklyn Nets defense worry more. And he did that to the tune of 15 points, six boards, and eight assists. Not to mention an offensive rebound on top of that. You play for the Raptors, you get offensive rebounds. They're starting five. Gary had one, Flynn had one, but everyone else had three. In fact, everybody who played in this game had an offensive rebound, which is as much a nod to the Raptors, you know, overall ethos as anything. But on the whole, the Raptors really did struggle against the the zone. It's extremely helpful that OG Ananobi was questionable for this game. Nick Nurse even said that he may have had this fractured finger problem for like three months. That's kind of wild. And it's on his shooting hand. So uh, that's of note. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is like the, the Rudy Gay LASIK surgery thing and we can all kind of say, oh, he's about to, you know, pull up from 40% from three off the bounce and hit 50% off the catch shoot. I don't know about all that. But, you know, maybe there's some positive progression coming his way once the finger gets looked after. I, I couldn't say with any confidence, but I, I'm excited for OG to rejoin because the Nets, this version of the team, the Nets, isn't very good. A win is a win, so I won't, I won't complain or whatever. But you do need OG, you do need Fred to kind of compete against these better squads. And so with them, you know... On the horizon, I would say that's a very nice thing. But holy moly, to see Pascal and Gary grind away the way they did. And Pascal, I don't think, did anything out of the ordinary for himself. This was still a subpar game for him. He, he did it in an imperfect context, and so he deserves love for that. But especially Gary, to have 24-7, and seven, seven assists, and on a couple really nice made plays from him where he puts the ball on the ground gets deep and then a lay down to a guy in the dunker spot or something like that. These are not the, the regular occurrences of a Gary Trent Jr. game. And he found them in this game when things had to start clicking. When he didn't have his regular shot diet, he had to go to different types of progressions with his reads. He made them and they turned into baskets. And the same thing for Malachi Flynn, the same thing for Scotty Barnes. They did a tremendous job of working through this game. 42, almost 43 minutes for Malachi. He played the most minutes on the Raptors, and he was a plus three. That's that's immense. I What a vote of confidence from Nurse, and perhaps one Malachi should have gotten earlier. You know, it's, it's tough to say. Like, talented players go to the wayside all the time in the NBA. We see them even fall off of NBA rosters only to rejoin teams later. Campaign was out of the NBA and then was, you know, a cog in the guard rotation of a finals team, the Phoenix Suns. It's it's really tough to make it in the NBA and you just need your shot. And Malachi is making the most of it. These types of performances and maybe maybe you have, you know, some qualms about it coming against another pair of small guards in Patty Mills in Seth Curry. I don't know, but I think you you can objectively say he's made the most of it. And yeah, it's hell yeah, good for you, Malachi. Scotty, really working so hard to get into spots, extra possessions on the offensive glass. He did his thing. I was I was really proud of the team tonight because they had nothing going for them. They had to, after you know, a pretty poor defensive first half and then a really poor end to the third quarter, they had to kind of pull themselves up and say, how are we going to find a way to win this game? And they did it largely on the defensive end. And, you know, this is a piecemeal roster currently. You're missing two players who both have significant claims to all defense status. And, you know, and and another one, a third guy who has that claim too, 
he fouls out. So you have to play the last, what, two minutes and 40, two minutes and 40 seconds without him. And they did it. And largely led by Flynn, Barnes, Trent Jr. These guys are young. And they were able to take the Raptors to a game where they won. Thad Young, yes, he came in. He popped in a couple threes, yes. Chris Boucher, a couple heady cuts, closed out some possessions on the defensive end, yes. But largely, this game closed out and maintained Flynn, Barnes, and Gary Trent Jr. Of course, Pascal Siakam is such an overwhelmingly positive player that like, even though he wasn't having his best game, he was still immensely helpful. The Raptors won his minutes by 15 points. So even when Pascal isn't having his best game, yes, he's still overwhelmingly positive. But I just want to highlight Flynn, Barnes, and Gary Trent because I think they really helped carry. And they all did more than what is typically asked of them. And they all responded in a gritty and successful way. I think that deserves a ton of love. Reggie M's award, Malachi Flynn, he had to play through a ton of screens. He got to six boards being the point guard. And he grinded. He pushed when he could. There was a lot, a lot of work in his game tonight. So, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Uh, you did a tremendous job. Reggie Evans Award for the guy. Okay. Top quick reaction comment. Oh, we got a... From Cad DeVille. We've got some paragraphs here, folks. Strap in. Quote, professional win. Came in, wasn't shooting great from three, and got the win. We were down, but made those buckets. Shout out to Thad for putting in the work. Made some clutch baskets. Flynn, what a story. He is back. Continue to put in the work. My oh my, Scotty Barnes. Can't say much. I would like to add something. Now Scotty doesn't scream and stuff anymore. He is serious. Since the rookie game, Precious and Barnes are on one. I think they realized what they could be, and the sky is endless. NN, please play the bench and rest our starters. It's their time and opportunity. Gary time and... Gary, time and time again, proving he's a beast and clutch mentality. He has it. Banton, please send him to the G League. He needs offense work. Development is there, and he is 20. Can be a great rotation piece in the future. Right now, Flynn is ahead of him in terms of IQ. Zone is our problem, so basically we need a shooter and a center against Vooch-type bigs. In my opinion, for this year, Birch, if he finds his rhythm, our center position is fine, but we need a shooter ASAP. I want to see what DJ can do, end quote. Okay, so Scotty screamed really hard right after... Uh, a dunk he made in this game right after he made that fader. Like, he's still screaming. He hasn't changed his game whatsoever, although he is playing good. Uh, I, I wouldn't compare IQ for Flynn or Banton. I think they're they're both high-field players. I, I don't think we can parse that out, really, especially given the limited amount of play. But, I mean, hell yeah. It was, it was a professional win. And from players who are just starting out their careers, I think that was great. Um, yeah, the team came together, made some things happen. And yeah, zone definitely is the problem. If Birch does figure it out, I, I still don't think that the Raptors' center position is solved. But that's you have to make your bones with that. The Raptors are weak at the center position. They have been all year. They were coming into the season as much progression as you know Precious continues to make and strides he's made on that end. I, I think he is the best center on the roster. Uh, I, I don't think it's Birch and even Birch at his best, I don't think provides you with even like a, a top 20, top 25 center in the league. So they, they just have to, they just have to make their bones with it. I, and you want to see what DJ can do is that uh, David Johnson. Yeah, I, I guess we'll see, but I, I don't think it seems likely at this point, unless it's, you know, the dog days of April or something like that, but Hell yeah, dude. Thanks for writing in, brother. Cad DeFille and uh, listener. Thanks for listening in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night.
Have a blessed day and goodbye.